Hi, everyone. My name is Alex Rose. I'm the pastor of Student Ministries, and I hope that you all had a very Merry Christmas and are enjoying maybe a little break. I know for me growing up, I loved breaks, whether it was Christmas break or summer break. But if I had to choose one, honestly, I'd probably choose summer break because it was longer. I had a lot less school to go to and because my birthday is on July 21st, and so I always had a birthday party where I didn't have to go to school. That was awesome for me. And we got to have birthday parties. I'm not bragging here, but I'm very excited about it. We had pool parties. We had pinata parties. It was great. And one year, when me and my brother, who I do have a twin, his name is Nick, me and Nick had a combined always birthday party. But on our 12th birthday, we had a sleepover party. It was our first one. I thought it was really cool. We got to invite all of our friends over. And we had this idea to stay up all night long. Now, Today, as a 33-year-old man, that sounds miserable. I don't want to stay up all night long. Sure, does my five-month-old son, Joel, have other plans sometimes and make me stay up all night? Yes, but it's generally not a choice that I would make for myself. But when I was 12, this idea of staying up all night just sounded really exciting. So we had this all planned out. We were going to play board games and video games. We're going to watch movie and TV shows, and we're going to drink a whole bunch of Mountain Dew and eat some snacks, and we're going to stay up the whole night. Why? I have no idea. Just maybe to see if we could do it. So the night started, and it went according to plan. Video games, board games, movies, TV shows. Until finally we started to realize that we're up pretty late when the TV stopped showing shows and just started to show infomercials. Now, if you're not familiar with that, maybe you have to ask your parents or Google it, but when the TV shows stopped showing, they would either have like static on TV or they would show infomercials, which were just really extra long, boring commercials. But we were playing a board game, and one was in the background, and it kind of started to catch our attention. So I remember looking up and, and watching the end of it, and it was about this psychic hotline. Now, I know that kind of sounds silly, but as a young man, that sounded kind of cool. Like, someone out there knows the future, and they're going to tell me the future? That sounds great. I had all kinds of questions I wanted to ask. Will I be a professional athlete? Will I marry um, a supermodel or an actress someday? Will I ever become 5'7"? <laughs> no, close, 5'6 and 3 quarters, but not 5'7". But I had all these questions that I thought, guys, you know what we should do? I know it's probably like 3 in the morning right now, and we're probably not thinking in our right minds. I didn't say that. All I said was, we should call the psychic hotline because at the end of the infomercial, it said the first 10 minutes were free. I mean, if it's free, it's someone just going to tell you the future why not do it? So we got around the two house phones we had. And again, this might be something that seems alien to you, but we had one phone that was on a cord to the wall and the other phone was a wireless one. And so me and half my friends hung out around the wireless one where my brother hung out on the cord phone, the one that hooked up to the wall, and a bunch of our friends were around that one as well. And we dialed the number. And I remember it was so exciting when someone picked up the phone and I was thinking it was going to be Miss Cleo, but it was just an operator. And the operator was a guy and he said... Tell me your name and birth date. And I was excited, so I was like, my name is Alex DeRosa, and my birthday is July 21st, 1987. But I didn't realize the fine print underneath the call that said you have to be 18 or older. Again, I'm 12 years old. So the guy says, well, uh, 
young man, you can't talk to Ms. Cleo because you're not 18. And it's like, I couldn't even pretend. My voice has always been high. And I mean, to the point wherever when I was in high school, people would call. Again, I was in high school and I'd answer the phone. When I was in college, this would happen. I'd answer the home phone and they would say, hi, Mrs. DeRosa. And I'd say, I'm a man. And I'd, I'd hang up the phone because I was so angry about that. But at this moment, I had nothing to do. My voice sounded really high. I already told him my birthday. There's no going back. But my brother is really smart, and he decided to deepen his voice and say, Oh, hello, my name is Nick, and I am his older brother. I was born in 1980, so it's perfectly fine for me to talk to a psychic. And the guy reluctantly said, Oh, well, I guess that does make sense. So if you talk to the psychic, we'll be okay. I'm just going to put you on hold. And we celebrated. We're like, oh, man, Nick, that was so awesome, so smart, quick thinking. I mean, I almost completely ruined this plan, and you saved us. Awesome. So the phone rang and rang and rang, and finally someone else picked it up. But unfortunately, once again, it wasn't Miss Cleo. It was another operator. But this operator had really good news. He said, congratulations, you are the 100th caller. Now, I had no idea that we were in the running to be the 100th caller, but it was really exciting to hear that. And he said, you have won a brand new PlayStation. I thought, oh man, how cool is that? We don't have a PlayStation. So we were like, okay, what do we got to do? And he's like, well, here's the thing. Not only did you win a PlayStation, but you won 10 free games. And all you have to do is tell me what games you want one after another. And what we're going to do is go to the warehouse, look to see if those games were in the warehouse and come back and let you know yes or no. And then just give me another game. We'll continue until we find 10. And uh, that sounded just awesome. Now, Again, as an adult, taking a step away from that, the idea that a psychic hotline would have a warehouse of PlayStation games, that doesn't make sense. But at the time, I thought that was amazing. So we would tell them game after game, the new Madden game, whatever, Crash Bandicoot, whatever we could think of, and they would go and look for the game and come back and say yes or no, and this continued to happen. Sometimes the person would leave for five minutes, some people, sometimes 10 minutes, and eventually, though, some of my friends started to fall asleep. Eventually, the, the time between this guy returning was longer and longer. It was like a half an hour. And at one point, I look at the time, and it had been about two hours. It was about morning at this time. And all of my friends and my brother were all asleep. And so I decided reluctantly that I've probably gotten around seven games already. I'm sure they have my information through the phone company. So I'm just going to hang up and go to sleep. And we'll worry about it tomorrow. I remember waking up the next day and completely forgetting about what just happened. It felt just like a Mountain Dew-induced dream. And so we went to school. Everything was normal in the fall. But I remember, because my birthday is right before school starts, I remember coming home one day. And me and my brother entered the house. And my dad was in his room. And again, this was probably a couple weeks later, and we kind of just completely forgot about what had happened. And I remember my dad yelling, Alex Joseph DeRosa, Nick John, no, his full name, I forgot my, brother, my brother's full name for a second, Nicholas John DeRosa, come into my room now. Now, you might know this, and a psychic doesn't need to tell you this, that when your father in his bedroom calls you by your full name, you're in trouble. Like, you're not going to come up there and get a pat on the back and be like, good job. You're not going to get some big league chew, the bubble gum. You're not going to be getting a brand new bike. You're going to get yelled at. And so we start walking up the stairs, looking at each other like, um, did you do something? Did I do something? What are we about to get yelled at? And we're like, just keep your mouth shut until we hear what it is. So we get up there and he has his piece of paper and he's holding it in front of us. And he's like, explain yourself. 
And we're like, oh, dad, that's a piece of paper. I don't know. It's not my piece of paper. And you're like, this is a phone bill. It says someone called Miss Cleo's hotline and they charged us $500. And I remember for a moment where we were quiet and then my brother points to me and says, it was Alex's idea. And I go, but I didn't even talk to Miss Cleo. What did they charge us for? And so we told him a little bit of the story and my dad's shaking his head and he's like, you were on the line for how long? It's, it charged you money for being on the line, even if you're not talking to Miss Cleo. And he told me that it was now my job to cover this debt. It was $500 and I need to pay it and I need to pay it quick. Right now, I'm just gonna pause that story. We'll keep it in, a, in that moment of time because I want to tell you another story. This story comes from God's Word, and it's about a guy named David. Now, David in this story is older than I was in my story, but I'll give you a little history about his almost resume. You see, David was uh, a son, and he had a bunch of brothers, and one day someone came to him and said, hey, you are going to be king. And this was really good news. Eventually, though, what happened, and this is maybe his shining moment of fame, he showed up at this, this time where the army of God's people were against another army, the Philistines, and there was this man named Goliath, and he was this giant, and he was challenging all God's people, and David was like, hey, I'll fight that guy. I'll fight that guy because God will beat him for me. And so he grabbed this stone and a sling and he beat Goliath. And it was this humongous thing. And everyone loved David after that. So much so that he eventually would lead armies and people would sing about him leading armies. They would sing, David killed his tens of thousands. I mean, imagine that. People like literally going around singing about your exploits. That would happen with David. God said that David was a man after his own heart. And to top it all off, David was really skilled with the harp. Now, that might sound small, but the harp is a hard instrument to be really good at. And David was really good at it. Eventually, David became the king. And one day in this story, he was a king and his army was out fighting a battle. Now, this was not normal. You see, the king usually would go and he would head up the army. I mean, at this time, really, people would pick a king basically on how they looked. Are you tall? Are you strong? Are you handsome? If so, you can probably lead an army into battle. But David, for whatever reason, decided to stay home. And one day, maybe it was because he was bored or... He just was walking around. He looked out from his palace and he saw the rooftops of people's houses. And on top of one of the rooftops was a lady named Bathsheba. And she was going to go and take a bath. Now, they did this on the top of their roofs. They had flat roofs. And, and so the, the sun would warm the water. And so she went to take a bath. And David, being kind of like a creepy neighbor in this moment, to be honest, looks out and sees Bathsheba and says, man, I want her to come to the palace. So he sends some of his servants, they go get Bathsheba, and she comes, and they, uh, for lack of a better term, they hang out for a while. They are together. And eventually, a little while later, Bathsheba comes back and tells David that she is pregnant, but also that she has a husband, and that husband is in the army. So David now realizes what he had done, that one of his soldiers is fighting a war when he went to go be with this guy's wife. So what he did was he sent for Uriah, that was the husband's name. Uriah would come back from the war and David said, hey, I just want to kind of reward you for being a great soldier. And while you're a great soldier, I just want you to go home and hang out with your wife. Just do that for a night and then we'll send you back. Just have some fun 
But Uriah was just a good man. He said, my brothers are out there and they're dying. They're fighting and they're dying. I'm not going to go and have some fun when my brothers are dying. I can't do that to them. Day after day, David would try to get Uriah to go home, even at one point try to get him drunk so that he would do it. But he wouldn't. Uriah continued to stay at the palace. Eventually, David gave up. King David sent Uriah back to the the army. When he did it, he sent a letter with him to Joab, the commander. And he told Joab in this letter to put Uriah at the front lines. He said, put him at the front lines because that's where Uriah had his best chance of dying. And soon it would happen. Uriah was put in the front lines and he perished in battle. And word came back to David that Uriah had died. And David was filled with this, this dread because he knew what he had done. Now let me pause that story for a moment, because I just want to talk about the realness of this story. For a long time, I remember having this idea that people in leadership over me, especially in Christian leadership, were just perfect, and they didn't make any mistakes. And David is a guy that is after God's own heart. So it would make sense that he wouldn't make huge mistakes. But this was bad. This is a sin that he committed. And it's just a reminder for all of us, no matter what position people are in, we are all fallen In fact, in Romans 3, 23, it says this, For everyone, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And God's glorious standard is perfection. What it's saying is that all of us are filled with sin. We even make mistakes. Even a guy that is a man after God's own heart that did these incredible things for God and for his kingdom, he still fell and he still had this huge mistake. I remember holding things against some of my pastors that I really cared for growing up because I just didn't understand why they would make mistakes. But the truth is we make mistakes. And I've said this before, but we do it because we are broken people living in a broken world. And that's not an excuse, mind you. We need to do our best to live like God wants us to do. But it is a truth that we have to face that we are all broken people. The ones that we love are going to mess up. We are going to mess up, sometimes in big ways like David did. But ultimately, it's going to be how we respond that's going to define who we are. And luckily for us, the story isn't over now. Like, if this is the end of the message, just okay, we're all fun. We all make huge mistakes. All right, see you guys later. Have a happy new year. That'd be kind of depressing, but it's not the end of either story. For my story, so I made this big mistake, this big blunder. Didn't realize that I was on the phone making the, the bill just continue to rack up more and more money. But what I did is I went to my desk. My desk was like built in the side of our bunk bed with me and my brother's bunk bed. I remember sitting down with a piece of paper and writing out my ideas for making 500 bucks, which seemed, honestly, at that time, like insurmountable. But okay, I did the math. I said, okay, if I start to rake X amount of leaves, if I get my job back throwing papers just to be a paper delivery boy, if I, if I do that, I can make this amount of money. When it gets cold out, which will happen eventually, I probably don't have 500 by then, but I can start like shoveling snow that could make money. And I had this brilliant idea. I'd been writing a book. I still have it to this day. It was written in an old Harry Potter notebook. I was writing a book. It was about superheroes, like eight superheroes. The main character was named Alex, naturally, and his superhero name was Ice, and I had ice powers. The book's pretty terrible. I've actually kind of leafed through it um, since uh, I, f- I found it recently, and it, it's just really bad. But at the time, I was like, man, I could probably publish this and make what? 300 bucks, easy for that. And so I did the math, and I got it down on a piece of paper, and I went down to talk to my father. I remember 
this time he was exercising. So I went downstairs to find him and I said, Dad, I have a plan. I have this idea to make the 500 bucks back. And I told him the plan. And my dad looked at me and said, you know what? This time, I'm going to cover it for you. I'm going to take care of the debt. Although you did something wrong and you should not have done that, you lied to them, you're not over 18, and you called and you cost us a lot of money. I'm going to cover it for you. Remember, I was just so excited. Truth be told, I think what happened was my dad complained enough until they wiped it off our bill because, I mean, ultimately these guys kind of scam 12-year-olds and that isn't right either. And so dad kind of took out my debt because of that. Now, David's story was a little different, but someone still came to his aid. And it was a guy named Nathan. He was Nathan the prophet, and God had spoken to Nathan, and he had asked him to go and confront King David, which I'm sure is not an easy proposition. But the story is written down in 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. It would say this. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. Then David Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. After this, David would go to God and he would ask forgiveness. He would go and repent. And he would actually start to change his life back to a place where he would honor God with his decisions. After this moment, he would go to Bathsheba and take her in as his wife, and they would have more kids. Eventually, they'd have a son named Solomon, and Solomon would become one of the greatest kings ever. He was considered the wisest man to ever live, and he wrote the book of Proverbs, and a lot of people attribute the book of Ecclesiastes to him as well. Also, eventually, out of the line of David and Bathsheba would come Jesus. So God blessed their union, even though it came from this decision that David made. And once Nathan came and approached him and really rebuked him, David started to change his life. Now, there's a lot in those two stories that I want to talk about. But the main point, and this is our take-home point, the main point that I want to talk about today is this. We were designed to live in community. You and I. We were designed not to live this life by ourselves. We were designed to go through this life with other people because we need help. We've learned this a lot in 2020, right? 
Like we know that when we spend too much time ourselves, by ourselves, whether it's binging TV shows or playing a ton of video games, when we're away from other people, something happens to our heart and we start to feel disconnected and it leads to anxiety and depression. And once we're isolated too long, it really negatively affects us. And we started to feel that this year. And so today I want to talk about this idea that we were designed to live in community. And I really wanted to talk about it in two different parts because I think we can separate it that way. And the first part is this. We were designed to live in community with one another. Ultimately, when we start to try to fix our own problems by ourselves, sometimes we make those problems worse. When we try to do it before we go and seek aid, a lot of times we dig ourselves into worse of a hole. And God's Word actually talks about this. In the book of Ecclesiastes, which people believe that Solomon wrote, it would say this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. It's this idea of leaving unplugging from solitude and plugging into community that God has created for us because we're stronger together. When I was 12 years old, this is what happened. My dad had my back. When it came to these people that were scamming a 12-year-old, my dad came and he carried my burden for me. Although, yes, it was something that I did wrong. My dad said, hey, I'm going to step up and I'm going to help you out. Here's the truth. When we live in community, at times, we have to carry one another's burdens. Yes, we have to admit and acknowledge that our friends and our family members, as much as we love them, as much as sometimes we put them on a pedestal, they are going to screw up. And at times, we're going to have to break away from the fun to assist them in their misery by carrying their burdens. It says this in the book of Galatians, and this is a letter that Paul would write to the church in Galatia. And he says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. This is a truth we need to hear, right? This is a hard truth a little bit too, right? You are not that important. We should humbly and gently help those that we love, those that are around us, back onto the right path when they screw up. Sometimes we're going to have to break away from the community that just is fun to go and help someone out when they are down on their luck. Sometimes it's easy to start to think, like, I don't need to help them, and they put themselves in that situation, right? Like, it's, it's easy to start to think that way. However, what God is saying, hey, we got to humble ourselves. Remember that we screw up just like everyone else, and so there's times where we got to go and carry others' burdens. The other thing we have to know is that when we live in community, sometimes we have to call other people out. This, for me, I think is harder. Sometimes it's challenging, of course, to carry someone else's burdens, to kind of step in the gap between trouble and someone that has brought that trouble on for themselves. But what I think is even harder is confronting someone, calling someone out when they're on the wrong path. This is what Nathan did to King David. 
Now, I'm sure that was terrifying. I mean, he's the king, and you go up to him, and you call him out for a huge sin. And David might not know that anyone else is really aware of this at the moment, but then Nathan comes, and he shares a story about someone that loves a lamb, and then he twists it on David and says, you are that man, and he confronts them. But really what he's doing in that moment is he's serving David. He's allowing his mind to be open to the misery that he's put himself in. And he's kind of started to lead him onto the right path. I mean, remember after this story, after Nathan tells David all this stuff, he ends up going and making amends with God and getting back on the right path and God would bless him. So there's honor in telling people the hard truth sometimes. But when we do it, we have to remember that we have to do it with love with an understanding that we are fallen to, not from a position of, I'm better than you, I'm going to call you out, but a position that, hey, I've been there. Like, I've screwed up too, and I didn't notice it. I didn't see it. And if it was me in your shoes, I would want someone to make me aware of it so I can straighten my life out, so I can get on the right path, so I can care for my family and friends in a better way. So at times, we have to go and call people out. Because at the end of the day, we're fallen, they're fallen. It's why we need each other, and it's also why we need Jesus. Which brings me to part two of our take-home point, and it's this. We were designed to live in community with God. How wonderful is that? That the king of the universe said, hey, I want to design humans to have a relationship with me. That God made us to work best when we're in line with who he is, when we're in a relationship with with him. Earlier we read that verse from Romans 3.23, we all have sinned, but there's more to that passage, and I want to share it to you right now. It says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. It's saying that God designed us to live in community with him. But our sins kept us from that community. So what he did was he carried our burdens. He came into this world to die for our sins so that we can have freedom from those sins, that they can be washed clean, and that we can enter this relationship with God. The first step in that is really just walking into that relationship with God by asking him to forgive us of our sins, of our debts, and washing us clean. But there's more to it. It's this idea that on this earth, we get to have a relationship with God. Everywhere we go, we can bring the king of the universe with us into our work situations, into our friends' situations, into our family lives. The king of the universe can be alongside us in all of those scenarios, helping us to carry our burdens and to call us out. Because sometimes he has to do that for us. Sometimes he has to wake us up and say, hey, you've been doing something wrong. And when he does that, he's trying to show us the right path of living, the way that we can live best. Because ultimately, he's the one that designed life, and he knows. So when he gives us correction, it's to bring us back. And it's this wonderful truth that God came and died for us while we were still sinners, not when we deserved it. He didn't come to this earth when, when we finally, as humans, made amends, and we just were good enough that he says, okay, finally, yeah, you can be in a relationship with me now. No, he did it while we were still sinners. It says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, when we were utterly 
helpless, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. So as we go out, as we finish out this year and we enter into the next year, I think for us to live the best lives that God has designed us to live, what we got to do is live in community with others and with God. And yes, I know, it's hard right now. It's hard because of COVID. It's hard because we have to be separated from some people. But it's not impossible. It's a choice that we have to make. And when we make the choice to live in community with God, with other people, again, he's going to put us in that right path to where he's best designed us to live. So if we want to live this out, we can, we can follow this next step. It's I will engage in community with others and with Jesus this week. See, participating in community is ultimately a, a choice. It's a choice when someone asks you, how are you, to not answer superficially, to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, but to honestly get deep sometimes, to say, okay, I'm going to be a little uncomfortable, but I really want to share you with, with, with what I'm struggling with right now, with, with what's on my heart. I don't, I don't do this very well. I don't like to put my burdens on other people, but if we're going to live in community, we have to be okay sharing our burdens with others, to being honest with others. It's a choice to call someone. I know it's easier to social media someone or text them, but sometimes we got to make a phone call and to, to just help that community, that relationship. I have a friend that I went to college with, and we've actually had a deep relationship over these last several months because we have a standing phone call every week. I know, or every month, rather. It's just once a month, but it's a, an amazing time for us to get back together, and we just talk on the phone about our lives and, and work and stuff. And this is actually a guy that when I was in college, I had walked away from my faith for a little while. Honestly, I had this bad breakup with a girlfriend and then I saw my youth pastor struggle and, and do some stuff that I didn't like and I held it against him and I just walked away from God to a point where one day I was having breakfast, I was eating pancakes with my buddy Nate and Nate called me out for it. He, he just flat out told me that what I was doing, the way I was living was wrong and he started to help me to start to see that and, and welcome me back. And so now what we do is once a month we talk on the phone and we get real with each other. So sometimes it's a choice just to pick up the phone and call someone. It's also a choice to live in community with God, with starting your days with prayer or praying with God throughout the day or reading God's word or continuing to, to be together with other believers to hear God's word. Whether you're, you're with your family or and you don't feel comfortable coming back in the physical location, but it's meeting with your family and someone else's family to enjoy church or it is coming back to the physical location here at, at New Life to live in community with one another while you're engaging in community with God several choices, and those choices really start living community with God by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, if you've never given your heart to Jesus as Lord, which means owner, and Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, today I want to encourage you to make this decision, this choice to live in community with God, to have your sins washed clean. We've talked about it already, about everyone has sinned. And the first step of it is to accept Jesus as Lord and our Savior is just to admit. Here at New Life, we say it's as easy as A, B, and C. And the A means admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that we all fall short, all of us do, and that we need a Savior, someone to wash us clean. And B is believe. Believe that God is the one true God and that his son really came to die on the cross for you and I. And C is finally confess. Confess our sins confess our needs for a Lord and a Savior. So right now what I'd like to do to end our time together is to say a prayer. 
And I want to lead you in this prayer if you've never given your life to Jesus, Lord and Savior. If you have and you want to pray along this just to recommit yourself, feel free to do that. If you I feel like you have a strong relationship and community with God, and right now you just want to spend this time as we're praying, praying for other people that don't know Jesus to accept Him as Lord and Savior, I encourage you to do that as well. But right now, let us pray and ask Jesus to come into our lives as Lord and Savior. And if you've never done this before, I encourage you to put it in your own words, in your heart, in your mind as we say this. Let's pray. Dear God, I believe that you are the one true God. I believe that your son came to this earth and died for my sins. I admit I am a sinner, and I admit that I need you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and accept me into your family. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you gave your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, I wanna encourage you right now to to press that button that says raise a hand and we wanna follow up with you. We wanna help you to continue walking this path out to growing in this relationship with God. As we go out into the world, as we stay home and in our families, whatever it is that we do over these next couple of days, I wanna encourage you to live in community. We were designed to do it. So let's make that phone call. Let's answer that question honestly. Let's spend time in community with God. And let's remember that he came to this earth while we were still sinners to die for us so that we could have this new life, this new opportunity. Let's rejoice in that as we finish this year. And let's start the new year celebrating the fact that Jesus came for you and me. All right, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you all have a happy new year and we'll see you soon.